This is The Recap, a review of the day's news in the Tri-States area for Wednesday, December 13, 2023. With Tri-States Public Radio News, I'm Mike Murray. A presidential candidate forum in Iowa that focuses on minority issues will not take place this campaign season. Iowa Public Radio's Sheila Brummer has reaction from one of the event's organizers. The Iowa Brown and Black Presidential Forum won't happen on January 13th in Des Moines due to the lack of GOP candidates willing to attend. Wayne Ford co-founded the event almost 40 years ago, which has received national coverage. Ford says he's disappointed only one candidate, Dallas CEO Ryan Binkley, registered this election cycle. Why did people did not choose to come to our forum? Uh, We've had support of uh, Republican leaders. I don't know. That's the best thing I can tell you. You need to ask the candidates to get that answer. The last time the event was canceled happened in 1996, when President Bill Clinton ran unopposed and Republicans did not participate. I'm Sheila Brummer, IPR News. The comment period opens today regarding the proposed rules for implementing Iowa's fetal heartbeat abortion ban. Iowa's law that bans abortions after about six weeks of pregnancy is held up in court and cannot be enforced for now. But state officials still have to detail how doctors must follow the law if it takes effect. If a patient seeks an abortion under the exceptions for rape or incest, the rules would require doctors to get details about those incidents and record them in the patient's medical record. The rules would also require a doctor to certify that a fetal abnormality is incompatible with life in order to provide an abortion under that exception. Doctors who violate the rules could be subject to licensure discipline. Iowans can submit comments on the proposed rules at rules.iowa.gov. The University of Northern Iowa's Faculty Union has voiced concerns over how the school is handling its money. Iowa Public Radio's Grant Leo Winterer reports. UNI released a statement defending the movement of nearly a million dollars from its general fund to athletics, saying one of its missions is to identify opportunities for those programs to be more self-sustaining. Head of United Faculty Chris Martin says that shouldn't come at the cost of education, especially when athletics can already borrow from the general budget. There was a a deal all the way back in 2010 that UNI's athletics program could actually take money out of the general funds, but it it couldn't go past um, 2.4%. So there's always been money going towards that, which, you know, in the past uh, year or two, it wasn't budgeted for. The money was on top of that percentage. Martin went on to say that the university's overall budget has shrunk by several million dollars since 2019, largely due to a decrease in legislative funding. I'm Grant Leo Winterer, IPR News. People leaving the Cook County Jail in Chicago are now eligible to get free state ID cards on their way out. Sheriff Tom Dart says IDs are critical in helping people reintegrate into society and stay out of jail. This is a pilot program and a partnership between the county and the Illinois Secretary of State. It will start by giving IDs to people released on electronic monitoring. The Illinois Attorney General's Office entered into an agreement to stop enforcement of the law that cracked down on so-called crisis pregnancy centers. Illinois Public Radio's Mawa Iqbal reports. It's a rare win for the anti-abortion movement in Illinois. The conservative Thomas More Society filed a challenge against the state in federal court, arguing the law violates the center's right to free speech. Attorney Peter Breen says the law targeted centers for being anti-abortion. The issue of abortion is certainly one of significant contention, 
But there's a way to work through that public dispute, and it's not silencing your opponents. These centers are often Christian-based clinics that don't offer nor refer for abortions. Critics say they use deceptive practices. I'm Mawa Iqbal. Public health officials warn that holiday get-togethers could increase the chances of spreading COVID again. So as the holidays approach, they're urging people to get the latest COVID vaccine as soon as possible. Hospitalizations for COVID are relatively low in Illinois right now, but have nearly doubled since the start of November. In today's feature, more than 100 billion pounds of food goes to waste every year in America, in kitchens, at grocery stores, and on farms. Now, a federally funded program is connecting local farmers and food pantries in an effort to cut down on food waste. The U.S. Department of Agriculture's Farm to Food Bank is now in 28 states, including Iowa, Illinois, and Missouri. But as Harvest Public Media contributor Peter Medlin reports, funding for the program depends on Congress and what gets included in the next farm bill. I'm walking through the production hall at the Northern Illinois Food Bank, about an hour west of Chicago. In front of me, volunteers are packing up meals. Right now, we're working really hard on our holiday meal box program. Jacob Lamplow is the Food Bank's Interim Director of Food Procurement. Over the past few years, the Northern Illinois Food Bank has been able to provide a lot more local produce to residents, 400,000 pounds of food that otherwise would have nowhere to go. Peaches are the big one, we've had apples, and then we've even had things like squash, a bunch of different peppers. It's food farmers can't sell to supermarkets because it has a blemish, is a weird shape, or just not the right size. It's good food, it tastes the same, but it often rots away on farms because there's no market for them. Nationwide, the Farm to Food Bank program has moved millions of pounds of surplus food. It was authorized through the 2018 Farm Bill, and last year the USDA handed out more than $3 million to state agencies for Farm to Food Bank projects. Most states in the Midwest are taking part, including Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Missouri, and Michigan. Stacy Dean, Deputy Undersecretary for the USDA's Food and Nutrition Services, says they also hope to spark interest for states that aren't participating yet, such as Kansas, Nebraska, and Oklahoma. I can't speak to the whys, but these are the breadbaskets of our country. And if they're leaving food, available food, unharvested that we could be using to feed vulnerable families, then let's work together to figure out a path forward. The Farm to Food Bank program is funded through the Farm Bill, which comes up for reauthorization every five years. Dean says this fall, funding briefly expired before the Farm Bill was extended for another year. Well, I think Farm to Food Bank was particularly vulnerable. And funding in the next Farm Bill isn't guaranteed. In Illinois, officials wanted stability for the program. So earlier this year, Governor J.B. Pritzker signed a law establishing state funding that makes Illinois pretty unique among farm-to-food bank states. Rogelis Gavuzo is with the Illinois Farm Bureau, and she says the state funding means the program will continue no matter what happens with the farm bill. And she says that allows farmers to feel more stable and diversify their products. Maybe we were afraid to grow broccoli because we didn't know the market was there or what happens if we can't move all of that or it's just not as pretty. Now we've created the secondary market to recover some of those potential losses. While farmers aren't paid full price for the food, they're able to cover their costs, including labor and transportation, and they don't have to see their food go to waste. We had a farm last week that was going to get hit by the frost with apples. We moved almost 10,000 pounds of apples off of their trees and it covered their labor. But that product would have just had nowhere to go if it hadn't been for this project. 
Rendleman Orchards is one of more than a dozen farms participating in Illinois' program. Wayne Searles is the owner and manager of the orchards in far southern Illinois. And he says, with the help of other local farms, they sent out about a dozen semi-truck loads of produce this year. It's a win-win situation, not just for the customers of the food bank, but also for the farmers themselves. Now he knows a vegetable or fruit with a blemish won't get dumped. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Peter Medlin. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including Tri-State's Public Radio. In the weather for our listening area for today, it will be gradually clearing by midday today, and the high temperature should be in the mid-40s. Calm winds should turn to the southeast around 5 miles an hour sometime this afternoon. For tonight, mostly clear skies with a low in the upper 20s. For TSPR News, I'm Mike Murray. Tri-State's Public Radio is part of the NPR Network.